Thank you so much, Dan. It is always good to be here. Uh, especially glad to be here today because back home we canceled church today. Uh, there was a huge ice storm in the area and snow, we're okay, we're okay driving in snow, but ice captures our attention. So a number of churches in the Harrisburg area called off and um, I'm just glad to be here. Glad to see you uh, because anecdotally from my experience, I, I meet a lot of people each week and um, Seems about like half the country has COVID right now, my, my anecdotal survey. So you're apparently doing well at the moment, and that's, that's a good thing. Most of us have had it at one point or another. Seems to be the way it goes. And uh, I'm just glad we're all gathered today because it's good to be with God's people. Uh, would much rather do that than be sitting at home, even if I had to drive to Ohio uh, to do it. It's about a seven-hour trip, and we split it up. And... Uh, it's just always good to be in a Sovereign Grace Church. Love your pastors, love being here. Uh, the sense of warmth and encouragement is, is tangible and real. If you could turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, I'm gonna read three very short verses, verses 16 to 18. And um, Steve, as you know, is on, is on sabbatical, and he asked me to do a few things for him, and I experienced Steve's love and care for you in the requests he made. Uh, he asked that I would help keep an eye on things. And uh, I, I said, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, I would trust Dan and Kale to pastor me. So I've got, I've got no worries. But I understand the feeling and the thought of Steve feeling like he's leaving his baby behind, so to speak. So uh, he cares for you. And, and that, was, that was a wonderful thing. He asked me to come in one of the Sundays that he's away and preach for him. And I was happy to do that, to serve them and to serve you. And then third, he asked me to preach on prayer. Uh, I quickly agreed and smiled a bit internally. Um, why? Well, I'm good on the first two, uh, but I don't think I'm an expert on the topic of prayer in any way, shape, or form. I think I can help. Pastors, due to the experience I have uh, over the years, over the decades, and, and it's certainly fine to come in and preach, but, but with prayer, uh, I agree with Spurgeon, who said, I usually feel more dissatisfied with my prayers than with anything else I do. Uh, most of us can relate to that thought and feeling more and i'm just being vulnerable here i'm usually not going to be inclined to tell you how i feel about something i'm going to speak about but because the topic of prayer is a challenge um, i'd like to describe my relationship with prayer as a love-hate relationship uh, i love prayer because i love when the saints gather and pray and at Living Hope, uh, as, we, as we raised funds for a building over years, and then in 2015 and 16, as it became close to a reality, the first team, because I, I was put in charge of the building project, the first team I organized, the first committee, was a prayer team because I was persuaded that we needed to pray and ask God for provision. And the ways in which God met us were remarkable. Uh, there was, at Living Hope, 
no, zero, extraordinarily wealthy individuals. There was no exceptional income. And in the course of praying for provision in fairly short order, we ended up with an individual relocating to the area. He had been in a Sovereign Grace Church. He no longer was, uh, came to the area, uh, didn't check us out initially, and then did check us out. This individual gave tens of thousands of dollars every year to our building fund over those next several years. Uh, extraordinary provision. There was one business in the church that grew from infancy to considerable income where that individual gives about one-third of what we need to pay the mortgage every year. And to all of this, I say, there is no way we can take credit for that. We give glory to God. That was God's answers to our prayers. Would it have happened without the prayers? Who knows? We don't get to live an alternate reality. I'm simply saying we were dependent, we saw our need to pray, and we prayed. Our experience today with church planning at Living Hope, our region very much wants to plant churches, and we have an individual right now at pastor's college, and he hopes to plant a church in Warren, Pennsylvania. You probably haven't heard of it. Uh, it's a small town about 60 miles east of Erie, Pennsylvania. You may have heard of Erie. Um, about 60 miles east of Erie, right below Jamestown, New York. Wants to plant a church there. That would be the first church plant for our region. But Living Hope wants to plant churches. And so Ben, our lead pastor, did a sermon last January calling the church to pray. And I responded by saying, well, let's get the saints together to pray. So we do a once a month corporate prayer meeting where we pray for Living Hope Church. We pray every Sunday morning before the meeting for a half an hour, a number of folks gather, but this was an intentional effort to pray for Living Hope. Uh, at, at Living Hope, we were always weak in corporate prayer because we didn't have a building, and we were scattered geographically all over the place. No one was close, and so people didn't seem to make the trip uh, to pray. But this time, we said, once a month, got to sign up, got to commit for a year. And so we began to pray, and as soon as we began to pray, within a couple months, two or three possible leaders, through various circumstances and events, showed up. And so now we are working with those men in the hopes that we will have some church planners out of that mix of leaders. So I love prayer. We pray and good things happen and it works. But I have a, I call it hate, that might be too strong a word, a frustration with prayer because there are specific things we have prayed for where God did not see fit to answer those prayers. Our friend Bob was a very fit guy. He's a professional trainer, and he died at age 44 from cancer in July. And we prayed hard and regularly for Bob. We prayed believing God would move. Uh, the situation was one where uh, his wife was certainly going to be in a difficult situation because there were five kids, ages nine to 17 at the time, and the three oldest were boys, very active boys. And you think, God, isn't a dad necessary in, in that situation? Like, it would seem, seem essential. 
uh, but the cancer was a very serious, aggressive cancer. And uh, the doctors predicted one to six months. Bob made it a year and a half, but he did pass away. Uh, three days before Bob died, our friend Ronnie died of cancer at age 62. She was very concerned about her family. Her family uh, were not believers, and she was very concerned to be an influence in her grandchildren's lives. We prayed for her. Uh, she fought. She desperately wanted to live, but again, cancer won. Uh, our friend Ben uh, was uh, a member at Living Hope. His family was a, were members at Living Hope growing up. He never joined uh, because his family did leave at one point, went to a sister church. Um, ben died at age 31 of cancer just a few months ago, and there were many prayers on his behalf. Um, and sadly for his wife, they lost a a daughter, I believe she was three years old, as I recall, due to an asthmatic attack a couple of years before that. So there are two children with momsy. These situations are so heavy and weighty that we would love to see God move, and he doesn't seem to respond. So the frustration of prayer for me is when we've prayed for situations with cancer and Alzheimer's and ALS, and I've got more stories th than this, um, we haven't, haven't seen God move the way we would like to see him move. We're reminded he is God and we are not. Uh, Tim Keller said regarding his pancreatic cancer battle, he said, my battle isn't against cancer. My battle's against my sin. And I thought that was well put because as Christians, there is a sense in which we can focus overly much on the physical and we can not focus as much on the spiritual. But the kingdom of God is a spiritual reality, and the spiritual side of things matters more than the physical, but the physical does matter. So perhaps you can relate to my experiences with prayer. I suspect most of you can. When we struggle in life, when the going gets hard, where do we turn? What, what do we do? I want to suggest we turn to the Word of God. The Word's a lamp to our feet. It's light for our eyes. It is perfect. It revives my soul. It completes and equips me for every good work. So my title is The Priority of Prayer. I hope to equip you to pray and remind you of the importance of prayer. Our text is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, where Paul writes, Rejoice always. Verse 17, our focus, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So rejoice, pray, and give thanks is the commands that are found in this section of Scripture. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. So God wills that we pray. So I want to call your attention to those three words in verse 17, pray without ceasing, and we'll answer three questions about prayer. First, what is prayer? Second, what's the purpose of prayer? And third, what are the hindrances to prayer? So first, what is prayer? There are times where there are common words to us that we struggle for definition. Prayer is easy to define. Not only is prayer easy to define, I would add, we all know how to pray. It isn't 
complex at all. It has been said that as long as there are tests in school, there will be prayer in school, as in God, help me. Usually when a test is in front of us and we don't know the answer, God, help. J.C. Ryle says, it is useless to say you do not know how to pray. Prayer is the simplest act in all religion. It's simply speaking to God. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. So first, prayer is speaking to God. We may say words, there's an acronym ACTS that stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So we may use words in a variety of ways, but when we pray, we speak words to God. There are times we do not know how to pray or what to pray. We pray in the Spirit. The Bible calls that speaking in tongues. Uh, but when we pray, and tongues is always God word, when we pray, we speak to God. It is staggering that we can approach the throne of grace for help. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, reading it again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in prayer, we simply speak to God. Secondly though, prayer is an unnatural activity. Prayer is simple which I do not mean easy. I'm just saying speaking to God is a very simple thing to do. But prayer is unnatural to us in this way. Uh, we are born proud, and we learn to take care of ourselves and become self-reliant. And therefore, we can tend to think that we have things under control. So it's interesting how there are numerous things we don't pray about until we suddenly see our need for help, and then we pray. But the danger is a view in which we have no needs. Oswald Chambers said a great many people do not pray because they have no need. We pray when we're desperate. We pray when we see a need in front of us because we're taught to be competent, self-reliant, self-sufficient, and independent. Religion says, do more, try harder. Jesus says, come to me and rest. Jesus says, come to me and ask. Third, prayer is work. There'll be times when, like every other thing of value in life, we don't feel like it because it's work. I'm astonished. I, I mentioned the prayer meeting uh, once a month. I happen to lead that, that prayer meeting at, at Living Hope. I'm amazed at the amount of times where after a busy day, I didn't feel like going to the meeting. I mean, if I just went by my feeling, I believe in prayer, I got a conviction, I wanna pray. But the feeling is, I just don't, I, just, I feel like staying home tonight. That's what I feel like. Uh, don't feel like going out. And I, but I believe in prayer. I think it's important. I think we should do it. I can have the same thing with our community group meetings, our, our small group meetings. It can, it can be the night of a meeting, and I think, I don't feel like it. But, but if we live by our feelings, we're in for a difficult ride in the Christian life because our feelings are fickle. Uh, 
They are not a reliable guide. The Word of God reliable, our feelings not a reliable guide. So we live our lives by the Word. J.C. Ryle again. Prayer is that point in religion at which you must be most on your guard. Here it is, the true prayer begins. Here it flourishes and here it decays. Tell me what a man's prayers are, and I will soon tell you the state of his soul. Robert Murray McShane said, a man is what he is on his knees before God and nothing more. So our text says we should pray without ceasing. That simply means often. If I would tell you to go to the gym without ceasing, you wouldn't think that I meant you should move into the gym and be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You would understand that I mean go to the gym regularly to work out to help your physical condition. The point is we're to be consistent in our prayers. Prayer is often a gauge with which we can measure our desperation and our need for help. I can think of examples in my life where I felt desperation. In the late 80s, I moved from a sales engineer position to sales manager of a conveyor company, and suddenly I felt the responsibility on me for everyone's livelihood that worked at the company. Because if I didn't do a good job, we weren't going to have work, and that was going to affect all of them. And so I distinctly recall each customer I go visit when I'm flying into Boston, Chicago, LA, each visit, I'm in desperate prayer because I know God can give me favor in the sight of that customer, or I know God can go the other way as well. I know things are in his hands. And so I prayed desperately regarding those large orders. Uh, Prayer as a parent. Uh, Over the years, due to my leadership, uh, Beth and I were not particularly good at praying together. And then we had a situation where a couple of our teenage boys were interested in girls, and suddenly we were praying together. (laughs) What's up? Well, we thought we had it. Before that, we, we thought, we're parenting and we're, we're teaching them, instructing them. And they were like, yeah, Dad, we agree with you. You're the man. You know, we're good. And then they were attracted to some girls. And then, Dad, we're not so sure about what you're saying. Uh, we've got questions there. Um, all we had really at that point was prayer. And so we prayed uh, long and hard for them. Uh, prayer as a pastor. Uh, in, in leading a church. I stepped in at Living Hope as a complete rookie, a complete novice, and I was aware of my desperate need for God. So for there to be, uh, I, was, I was concerned I couldn't get up in front of people and talk. I was concerned that if I could talk, it wouldn't make sense to people. It wouldn't be fruitful and effective. Um, I was concerned about provision for the church. And so for all of these things, uh, always pray diligently Um, knew I needed God to move, knew it wasn't within me. And there's always revival. Uh, Our nation's in need of revival. The church is in need of revival. And the question is, how desperate are we for revival? How much do we want it? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I speak for myself as well in this category. Uh, Praying for revival would be one very good thing we should regularly pray for. So in this, we work as if it all depends on us. 
but we pray as if everything depends on God. So that's what prayer is. Now, second, what's the purpose of prayer? Our first purpose in prayer is to simply obey God. That's our first purpose. As disciples in love with Jesus, uh, we love to obey him. It is not difficult. Uh, Jesus said, uh, yoke is easy, burdens light. Obedience is not this difficult matter. So the scriptures invite, urge, plead, and command us to pray. I'm going to give you several samples from the Bible. Luke 18.1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Notice the danger is losing heart. Why would we lose heart in prayer? Well, the answer is because there are things we pray for that don't take place. And therefore, it's easy to lose heart and think prayer doesn't matter. Jesus in Matthew 7, 7 and following, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it's opened. Which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we have this invitation to come ask, seek, and knock with a promise of answer prayer. In Philippians 4, verses 4 and following, Paul writes this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. In other words, trust him. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And one more, Paul writes in Ephesians 6, 16 and following, in all circumstances, this is pervasive, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, God rules and reigns over all things. I'm sure we all agree with that. But God uses means, and one of those means is the prayers of the saints. So prayer is necessary. Excuse me. <coughs> Something in my throat. Could I have that water, love? Our second purpose in prayer. Thanks, Dan. Your love, too, right? <laughs> Our second purpose in prayer is to abide with Jesus Christ. To abide with Christ. The Christian is in Christ. That's our identity. That's who we are. This position is pure mercy and grace because of the cross of Christ. Jesus paid it all. Our sins are forgiven. We're co-heirs with Christ. He is our older brother. We are in him. Everything he has is ours. As the Father loves him, so the Father loves us. We are in Christ, and this is glorious that we can abide in him. We pray as a means of relating to God. God delights to relate to his children, delights to relate to us. Parenting, 
Parenting shows us this. When our children are young, they ask us for things. They ask us for things often. And it, it's endearing. It may be irritating at points when they persist in their questions, but, but they ask. They ask frequently and often. Uh, one of our family's favorite memories was our son Jared uh, asking for a yo-yo when he was about 10 years old and he wanted a yo-yo desperately. He said, if you get me a yo-yo, I'll never be bored again. And of course, we just broke out in laughter. It, it was... It was a ludicrous claim because we knew that no one possession has that ability and, and, that, and that power. But children who are younger know how to ask for things. It lessens as they get older. Now Jared's 40 or 40-something. 40 he doesn't ask me for anything ever. And, and what do I want with my children at this point? We just have to spend time with them. We just have to be with them. It's not that they need to ask us for anything. Uh, requests don't need, we just enjoy being with them. I, we have one parent remaining. My dad is 89, soon to be 90. And every time we're with him, he's like, come see us. We're right here. I mean, he wants me there every day. Uh, and I don't measure up, of course. But they just want to be with us, we want to be with our kids because we discover it becomes about relationships. So prayer demonstrates our trust in God and it demonstrates this relationship that we have with Him. We are in a relationship with God. Abiding in Christ has serious benefits. In John 15, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for, apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. These, these overwhelming words that Jesus speaks to us, these words of completeness. What happens is as we abide in him, we find our hearts attuned to his will and his desires. Our third purpose in prayer is to accomplish God's agenda. God is sovereign over all things. God has no needs. He acts as he pleases. So why pray? Because God uses means. So in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, God says, I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Because God can do whatever he wants, but God uses means. He looked for a man who would stand in the gap to fulfill his purposes. When we pray, we ask for our needs to be met, but God already knows them all. God knows everything about us. So we pray and ask for God's will to be done, and we trust God even when things are uncertain. So my friend, uh, that I mentioned earlier, who died this last July of cancer, uh, we had many conversations about prayer and eternity and healing. We talked at length, and uh, he did not 
prefer to talk about if he was gone. He was such a fighter, he was so determined to fight that he actually didn't do a very good job preparing his family because he wanted to try to fight through. Um, he, was, uh, he was stubborn in that regard. But I said to him, Bob, I'm going to keep praying for you. We're going to pray. We're going to pray again and again and again. And we're going to see what God does or doesn't do. But either way, we're going to trust him. And my friend had a remarkable peace, a remarkable absence of bitterness and anger at God uh, in the midst of his circumstance. And the story I told him was the story of Shadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego. If you recall that story in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Daniel. Uh, they would not bow down to the great king Nebuchadnezzar. So everybody else around them is bowing down, and they're like, we're not going to bow down. And so they're challenged, of course, and, and they say, oh, king, um, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, but if not, that's faith. Our God, we know God can do whatever he likes. We know God can act according to his will. We don't always know his will. But we know God uses means, and so we pray. And we know God will act according to his purposes and pleasures. So they said simply, if not, we're still going to trust God, and we're not going to worship you. We're, we're all in with God, no matter what happens. And God loves it when we're at that same place. God receives glory when our prayers are truly desperate. Um, God loves desperate prayers. Um, Spurgeon again. Some brethren pray by the yard, but true prayer is measured in weight, not by length. A single groan before God may have more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length. There's that desperation piece again, where our desperation matters before the Lord. So prayer is speaking to God. Uh, in prayer, we are simply seeking to obey, abide, and accomplish His will. What are the hindrances to prayer? Uh, there are many hindrances to prayer. Uh, answer prayer is not one of those hindrances, right? Answer prayer certainly encourages us to pray. Uh, answer prayer is a huge motivator. What things would you pray for if you knew God would do it? If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt God would do it, we would pray for righteous leaders, the end of abortion, revival, salvation of a loved one, the nations to be reached, perhaps a building and a facility. We would have all sorts of things we would ask for if we knew for certain prayer would be answered, but we don't know, and so um, that can be a hindrance. We aren't sure necessarily how to pray, but in my mind, over every banner, that we think is a good thing in life, when it comes to prayer, James 4 informs us that you do not have because you do not ask. So I have personally become persuaded that in life, as it relates to me, I don't want any area where I desire to see God move and act. I don't want any area of it to be said to me, you did not ask. Because the Bible says, 
you have not because you ask not. Now, I'm not saying everything we ask for we get because God is not a cosmic bellhop. He, he isn't waiting to bring us the bags. Whatever we ask for, he does. That isn't how this works. Um, he wants us to trust him, and he cares a good bit about the relationship we have with him. But let it never be said of us, you have not because you ask not. Let us pray to that end. But there can be real barriers on our end. Unconfessed sin can be a barrier, perhaps pride. J.C. Ryle says prayer and sinning will never live together in the same heart. Prayer will consume sin, or sin will choke prayer. Unconfessed sin is a barrier. Selfishness is a barrier. And by selfishness, what I mean, there was a, there was a Christian song back in the 80s. Uh, I think it was called Give Me This. Uh, give me that. Uh, Lord, here's what I pray for. And there's this grocery list of things. Give me this. I want that. What was the whole point of the song? And, um, and, and so the question here is, if others could see our requests, what would they see? If, if, your, if your prayer requests were simply listed out in some strange way, what, what would that list look like? What, what, what requests are you making? It could be that the requests we make because most of us do pray, might be short and brief, most of us pray. It could be it's just, Lord, give me this, and Lord, I want that. It could be our prayers are self-related and self-oriented. Uh, third, we can have a cold, unloving heart toward people. Jeremiah twenty-two sixteen, God judged the cause of the poor and needy, then it was well. Is this not to know me, declares the Lord. Um, there's a sense in which if we know the Lord, we do kind things toward people. Cynicism is a barrier, an unbelieving heart. Uh, here, cynicism is present if you are invited to pray and your first thought is, so what, it won't matter. That's cynicism. You're doubting that God could possibly move or act. But as we've said, God uses means. James 1, 5 and following, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So we pray, and we totally believe God can move and God can act. The one who created all things, upholds all things by his word. We have no hesitation to believe God can act. We don't know, of course, whether he will or not, but we keep pressing into God without doubting. Relational conflict can be a problem. Jesus values unity. He says, drop your gift and go at once. If you're aware of any conflict or any division. In marriages, husbands have 1 Peter 3, 7 to consider, where the prayers you make will not be heard if you are not loving your wife. So it's possible for our prayers to be hindered by relationship. Uh, surely our perception of unanswered prayer is a barrier. We think God doesn't care. If he cared, if he loved me, he would surely do this thing I'm asking. Where is he? And where he is, is in the heavens, doing whatever he pleases, and he's with us. He is both far off and near. But surely we do well to read the Psalms. 
where we see the anguish of David, who would boast in the presence of the Lord, he would boast in what God did, and yet there would be lamenting going on over God, where are you in the midst of this difficulty? Because God did not always answer prayer according to what David wanted. So reading the Psalms feeds us and helps us understand the ways of God. And then last, not taking time or making time. Uh, we need to make time to pray. Uh, at Living Hope, I mentioned the Sunday morning prayer meetings. We have two prayer meetings a month, one for missions, one for Living Hope Church. Um, in my marriage, Beth and I now pray together every night. Read Tim Keller's book on marriage. He talked about their practice, uh, rebuked me uh, in my leadership. And so we began years ago to pray together uh, every night at bedtime and more as needed. Uh, when friends get together, you can pray with other friends. Uh, it can be a means of fellowship. It takes someone leading, someone taking it there, but we do well to pray together. And when you're with someone in need, always good to pray now. Always good to pray. Not say, I'll pray for you later, because all of us can relate to saying, I'll pray for you later, and then it slips our minds totally. We, we mean well. It's not an intent problem. It's just difficult with our memory. So let me close. The Word of God tells us to pray without ceasing. Almost all of us find a tendency to think we're in control. We rely upon ourselves. We're thinking we can handle things. But when we see God correctly, and when we see ourselves correctly, prayer becomes both a necessity and a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to approach the throne of grace. It's a wonderful opportunity. And it's a necessity because we see so many things where the kingdom of God has not yet come to earth. We pray because God is willing and able and we need help in many ways. Dane Ortland recently uh, on Twitter wrote, the believer weak in intellect, education, and natural giftings who is praying is the strongest. The believer strong in intellect, education, and natural giftings, who is prayerless, is the weakest. May we be a church devoted to heartfelt and desperate prayer. In other words, may we be an obedient people to the Lord. Jesus, let me remind you, sinless human being, was dependent on his relationship with his Father. Jesus prayed at length, often, just going away by himself, and praying because he knew he was dependent. If Jesus was dependent, how much more are we dependent? God is at work in us to shape us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, and his work is sure to happen. So our prayers reveal our faith. Our prayers reveal our faith. Let's ask God for great things and let's attempt great things for God. And as we attempt great things for God, we will quickly need, learn of our need for help. In the words of William Carey, the missionary to India, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. So church, pray without ceasing. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would lead us by your spirit. 
I pray that in leading us by your Spirit, I pray that we would not be content with the status quo. Lord, I pray that you'd be at work in this church for your glory. I pray that your kingdom would be evident and pronounced. I pray that the fruit of the kingdom of God would be evident. I pray that you would move mightily in hearts and lives. And we pray for this region, this entire area. We pray for revival to break out. Lord, we ask that you would move in might and power and that thousands would be swept into the kingdom receiving the gift of eternal life. And Lord, we pray for our rulers and our leaders in this nation. We pray for righteousness. We pray that they would have wisdom to do the right things. We pray that you would work through them so that we would experience times of peace and prosperity so the gospel can be shared freely. Lord, we pray for our marriages and our families. We ask that you would be at work in lives and where there are any rebels, any prodigals, Lord, we ask for mercy. They've heard truth, they know truth, but their heart is hard. And we pray that you would give them a new heart, that you would break through with the wind of the Spirit, that they would be born again for your glory. Lord, we are dependent people. We depend on you. And we ask that you would work in us for your glory and pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen.